As we stand in this room today to honor the word of the Lord, I invite you to take your Bibles and turn with me to 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 16. 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 16. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace always in every way. The Lord be with you all. Let's pray. Our good and our holy God, we thank you. We thank you for this Lord's Day, this Advent Sunday. We thank you, Lord, that we can gather in this room and sing to you and pray to you. We're grateful, Lord, that we can greet one another, brothers and sisters and old friends and new friends. We thank you, Lord, we can welcome each other in your name. Standing on the promise that as we gather in your name that you are present among us. You are our shepherd and we are the sheep of your pasture. And Lord, we thank you for your word that guides us. It is a lamp for our feet, a light for our path. Lord, we come to it together this morning hungry, in need. We come asking you, Lord, boldly for eyes to see and ears to hear. We ask you, Lord, to give us tender hearts that would receive your word like a seed planted in good soil. Give us feet, God, that will walk quickly to do your will. Make our hands strong that our work in this world would be like your very own. And, Lord, as we leave this place, as we walk through your world, our prayer is that a, a word of life and hope and love, a gospel word, would be found on our lips. Lord, this is our prayer in the beautiful and the mighty name of Jesus. And we pray together saying, amen and amen and amen. Choir, you're going to have to stay awake today. You're on television. <laughs> Thank you so much for leading us, friends, in worship this morning. This is a great season. This is a season for greetings, season greetings even. Uh, Merry Christmas, we say. We say happy holidays. We say happy Christmas. Yesterday I was given a Hanukkah gift. Eight crazy nights. You know, that one works too. I love that. It's a time for season greetings. It's well wishing. We wish people well all the time. Uh, but there's a difference I submit to you between wishing someone well, a, a seasonal greeting, and a true blessing from God. My dad, when he was playing high school football, he had a coach named Robert Turnage, and if a student and a player said if or but, you know, to give an excuse for missing a tackle or missing practice, he would just declare to the whole team, if ifs and buts was candy and nuts, we'd all have a Merry Christmas. <laughs> Consequently, growing up when one of my brothers or I said if or but in the presence of my father, we would always hear Coach Turnage used to always say, if ifs and buts was candy and nuts, we'd all have a Merry Christmas. So well-wishing is somewhat contingent on the quantity of the ifs and the buts and the candy and the nuts. Casey Kasem told me just this morning that number two, uh, 42 song on the charts is Blue Christmas by Elvis. Well-wishing goes only so far. And it's not the same as a blessing. In 2 Thessalonians 3.16, Paul gives a blessing. It's rooted in the revelation of God, his mercy. It's rooted in the promise of God. It's rooted in the promise of Jesus that I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. 
It's rooted in the promise of Jesus. In this world, you will have trouble, but I leave you my peace. And when Paul writes that church in Thessalonica, he's simply echoing the promises of Jesus to be present with them and to give them peace. So as brothers and sisters, as followers of Christ, as disciples on the way together, when we gather, sure, we can wish each other well. We can say Happy Christmas. We can say Merry Christmas. But really what we need to do again and again and again as we one another each other along the path is we need to boldly proclaim to each other the word of God. We need to bless one another. We need to sing those blessings. We need to read those blessings. We need to preach those blessings. We need to shout them and whisper them to remind each other what God has already told us and to direct each other along the way. That's what Paul was doing. And on this second Sunday of Advent, that's what we need to recommit ourselves to do, to blessing each other in the name of Jesus, standing on his precious promises, knowing that they are true. And this is a blessing of peace. In fact, he titled God, he gave God a name, a nickname in this blessing. He called the Lord, the Lord of peace. May the Lord of peace himself bless you, Paul said. Isn't that a wonderful way to speak of God as the Lord of peace? No doubt in this season you will hear the words of Isaiah 9 again and again, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. Everlasting Father, say it with me if you know it, Prince of Peace. Prince of Peace, the Lord of Peace. He's the one who does the blessing. He's the one who brings the peace. And outside of him, there is no peace to be found. And how did Paul say he would do it? He said he'd do it always and in every way. How rich and comprehensive. Always. That means when there's plenty of candy and nuts and when the candy and nuts have run out. When lines fall to us in pleasant places and when we can honestly sing Blue Christmas that God's peace, God's peace is for always. In every season, in every moment of life, the highs and the lows and the mundane in-betweens, this is what he would have us speak to one another. A peace that passes understanding, yes, but a peace that runs in the nooks and crannies of all in life. Always. And in every way. You see, the peace of God is a multifaceted thing. Spurgeon's favorite image was that of a cut gem. Some of us have purchased some cut gems in our life. Me, just two. Uh, the first one was in high school. It was my high school ring. I was sent down to meet with the Jostens representative. I had one of those little forms, and I had a check from my mom and my dad. And, and I was a frugal guy at the time, and, and they gave me the options. And I, I could have chosen white gold. I chose something called white ultrium. You ever heard of that? It's a little bit like sheet metal. Uh, that, 
So that was the, that was the metal. That was the semi-precious metal. And there was a selection of stones. And I went for the semi-semi-precious stone, which they found out in the parking lot. Uh, stuck it, stuck it in the in the ring. But that semi-semi-precious gem was cut. And in the cutting of that semi-semi-precious gem, there were all these facets. And with the cutting, you got to see that gem from multiple angles, and it's what made that semi-semi-precious gem twinkle in the light. The only other cut gem I purchased in my live-long day was Meredith's engagement ring. She helped me with that one. We went together, and I learned about cut and clarity and all carrots and all those kind of things. But even then, they took a much better rock, and they cut it, and the facets help it dance in the light. Spurgeon said the peace of God is like a cut gem. Those facets, those facets help us see the beauty. And for just a few moments on the second Sunday in Advent, I, I want us to look at four facets of the peace of God. I think it'll help it dance in the light. The first is peace with God. This is where it all begins. This is where it starts. Would you hear these words from the book of Romans, chapter 5? Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance character, and character hope. Now hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit, who he has given us. For when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly, for scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet perhaps for a good man someone might dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have received the reconciliation. Amen and amen. Tim Keller said one of our major problems is that we consider ourselves middle class of spirit. And God said, blessed are the poor in spirit. Deep down along the way, a lot of us North American Christians got the notion that God, after all, is really lucky to have us. And Scripture paints with darker hues the story of humanity. In our rebellion from God, we weren't just people who needed some tweaking. We were enemies that needed peace with God. And he pursued us, and he offered the terms of peace. And his loving grace sacrifice to bring us home and to make us one, one with God. When we think of the peace 
of God, the peace offered by the Lord of peace, the peace offered by the Prince of Peace. We must start here with that gentle conquering king who rode into town on the foal of a donkey and offered us terms of peace and called us to sit at the table where we were reconciled unto God. Most beautiful facet of the peace of God is peace with God. And from there, other facets of peace sparkle and shine. A second one for us, those of us who walk with Christ, is the gift of inner peace. Jesus said this in John 14, 27, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Jesus is preparing his people for some dark and hard days. He wants them to be strong. So to make them strong, he gives them his gift of peace. From Hadrian to Ronald Reagan, leaders throughout the history of the world have trumpeted and called for peace through strength. The notion is if we just have enough power, fire and fury and glory, we will avoid fights because no one will want to fight with us. And Jesus just flipped that right on its head. And he said, I want you to walk through this world strong, living out a life of strength through peace. Peace not like the world gives. Peace that cannot be achieved, but my peace. And he called us to a life of peace. Uh, echoing the words of Isaiah, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. In the epistle of Philippians, Paul called us to give thanks at all times, to pray, and that the God of peace would give us a peace that passes all understanding. He called us to think on those things that are virtuous and give life for the battle of peace is waged in our minds. We're called to pursue it. Psalm 119, 165, great peace have those that love your law. God would have us to walk our days out obeying his will and his way, setting our face toward his purpose, our minds on him, and seeing our hearts Rest in peace. We live in a troubled time and many of us have troubled hearts. And his word for us is do not let your heart be troubled. Here is my peace. And from a place of inner peace with the Lord, a place at peace with God, He's called us to pursue peace with other people. Now we move from the sermon, from preaching to meddling. It happens nearly every week. And friends, I had to preach this one to myself before I could bring it to you. But this is what God's called us to. 
Psalm 34, 14. Depart from evil, do good, seek peace and pursue it. Peace with other people is something that we should wake up pursuing. It's something that God has called us to just as he's offered terms of peace with himself and he's given us the gracious mercy of peace within our own hearts. He's called us to pursue peace with other people in a troubled world. I love the way Paul said it in Romans 12, 18. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, Live peaceably with all men. I like the realism of that. I like the grit of it. If it's possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with everybody. When babies are born, parents do some predictable things. And I've learned this is a global phenomenon. When babies are born, the first thing that parents want to hear is a cry, a noise, a sound. Parents come close to make sure that little baby is breathing. They stick an ear down to that baby's heart. Stick that baby on the chest so she can hear yours. Every parent I've ever known started looking around to make sure that baby came with all the standard stuff. Ears and eyes and noses and toes and fingers. Count. Now there's variations on all humans, but there are some standard parts. And let me tell you, uh, no human has ever been born with strings on their wrists and ankles. There's never been a marionette born to a woman on the face of this earth and there's never been a parent that hadn't somewhere along the way, maybe two years in, wanted that baby to have strings. <laughs> One of the things we need to make peace with is that we can't control other people. We can't make them be or do what we want them to do or be who we want them to be. So we've got to be content with sweeping our own porches and doing what we can do by God's grace to seek peace in this world. And if we can make peace with that, much good will be done. Beautiful things will happen because we won't be paralyzed into inaction. We will recognize that we can contribute to peace in this earth, in our relationships, and we'll be set free from trying to be God we need to recognize even God cut those strings. And with great love and risk, breathe life into us and allowed us to be peace with others. Now, if you ratchet that up, that's peace on a large scale, and this is the fourth facet of peace, and this is where we'll land the plane today. That's global peace, world peace. Now, this one sounds so extraordinary, we've reduced it to a goofy category. This has become sort of like the beauty contestant platform category. 
I'm from Mississippi. That was our state sport, man. We always had a Miss America in the contention. We always made fun of Miss Alabama because Miss Alabama would come up and she'd say, hi, I'm Cordy May Jones. I'm from Monroeville and my platform is global peace. And we're like, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, right. But there's something about that, something about that that is still inspiring that someone would stand there with hot lights on them and say somebody ought to care about peace in this world. Because this is a world of striving, isn't it? It's a world of scrapping and fighting, brother against brother, nation against nation. In the western hill country of Texas, they have black buck antelopes. The alpha, the alpha of the herd has a black marking on its face, the rest of the herd brown. When that animal dies, the black buck, another, the alpha that has arisen, literally his markings will change colors until he dies and another changes and takes his place. Don't you wish humans worked like that? Don't you wish that you could just walk into an office space and know by looking at somebody's face if they were running the show or not? We have to be much more subtle as human beings. The great American philosopher Ric Flair once said, to be the man, you must beat the man. And so many <laughs> are trying to be the man by beating the man. And that's why we have a world at strife. Recently, Shane McGowan, musician who sang the songs of the Irish diaspora, died. They had his funeral mass in Dublin this week, one of his most famous songs, Fairy Tales of New York, was a conversation song between two broken down, out of their luck, friends and lovers who are looking toward a new year on a Christmas Eve. And there's a line in that song uh, where, where the man sings, I could have been someone. And his girlfriend responds sarcastically, yes, and so could anyone. We live in a world full of anyone's. It could be someone's. And so seldom of us become someone's in the eyes of the world. But the fight rages on. Between brothers. Between nations. Between husbands and wives. Longfellow was thinking about the world and the brokenness of it following the Civil War. And one Christmas, he heard the bells again. And he tried to make sense of the Prince of Peace and the broken world. And he wrote one memorable line, hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. So much about what we read in the paper and live on Tuesday mocks the anthem of the Prince of Peace. That was early in the song. It didn't end that way. And the snakes and the wars are early in the scripture. It doesn't end that way. Listen to how it ends. Revelation 21. 
Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth has passed away, and there was no more sea. That's an emblem of chaos. That's an emblem of brokenness. That is the habitation of Leviathan. And there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, write, for these words are true and faithful. The faithful and the true word of God is that he is coming as he has promised to come. Scripture foretold of that, that manger and those early days and that temple in Jerusalem and that cross on the hill and that empty tomb and that fire in the upper room. And stone falling and no stone standing on the other. It told that story. And the same Jesus who said, I will lay my life down. I will take it up again. Has promised to come and dwell on this earth. And wipe the tears from our eyes. And make all things new. A new heaven. A new earth. A new dwelling place for God and man. Friends, Advent is not about how faithful we wait on God, how faithfully we wait on Him. If history has demonstrated anything, we are terrible at waiting on each other and certainly on God. The rhythm of Advent is not about our faithfulness in waiting, it's about God's faithfulness in coming. And he has come, and he has come again. And peace on earth is not a pipe dream. It is God's promise. And it's a beautiful facet of his peace, his gift of peace for us. You say, well, Matt, what does that have to do with me on Wednesday and Thursday and Friday? Jesus taught us to pray, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So God's good future has broken into this earth and it's come offering us terms of peace with God. Are you at peace with God based on his mercy? Are you still trying some way to appease him? He's not a God to be appeased. He's a God that's offered life. Have you by faith received it? What's it have to do with us, Matt? Well, his good future breaks into the present when we live at peace in our heart of hearts as we walk with him through this earth. Does your troubled soul need to come to Christ 
Do you need to pray? Do you need to give thanks? Do you need to learn to meditate again on those things that are virtuous? Every moment of peace in our hearts in this earth with God is an inbreaking of God's good future. What's it have to do with us, Matt? Is there somebody that you need to pursue peace with? You say, oh, no, there are Don't take my illustration too far. Yes, you can't make them do what you want them to do, but you know what you can do? You can ask for forgiveness where you've wronged them. You can extend mercy. You can open with great risk your heart to them. If it's in your power, by God's grace, will you do it? He is coming. And all manner of things will be well. And he comes day by day, moment by moment, month by month, week by week. For he is the Lord of peace. What's he's come to do in your life today? Let's pray. And as I do, I invite the musicians to come forward. We're going to sing a hymn of commitment. If God has stirred your heart to make public commitments, things that you have decided privately before him, we invite you to do that today as the Prince of Peace does his work. Lord, let's pray together. God, we thank you so much for being who you are and for doing what you do. We thank you, Lord, for the gift of peace. We pray, Lord, that we would walk in it, that we would receive from you the peace you want to offer, that we would pursue peace with each other, that we would long for peace as the whole earth groans for it, as we seek your coming. Lord, we love you and we thank you for loving us. We pray in Christ's name, amen. Friends, let's stand and let's sing together. Respond as the Lord would lead you.